that's kind of like the greatest thing about healing journeys is you discover so much about yourself that you didn't know. <laughs> it's kind of like good and bad because you're like, ah, I wish I would have known all of these things about myself so much longer. Like I could have done so much good in the world instead of focus on my time and energy on not liking myself, not liking this body that I was given. But now you're using this vessel and you are able to put out so much more good in the world. We are Gold Ivy, a health company dedicated to simplifying health and wellness. The industry is lacking the honest experience and grit required to overcome the struggle. And we're here to fill that gap. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. Join us on the fearless pursuit of self-discovery and growth. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. You are listening to Ivy Unleashed. You're here with Brooke, Andrea, and a very special guest. Yes. We are so excited for today. You know, Andrea and I started this podcast to share our real-time struggle of becoming the best version of ourselves, and we hope that others would be willing to share theirs, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, and just from engaging with our followers, we found Brooke... Another Brooke. Not me. Not another you. one. Another one. Another one. It must be the name. Another one. It's a great name. Thanks. Uh, but we found Brooke through Instagram and we loved her insightful and thought-provoking posts. And she was just listening along with Ivy and Lee. She just found us on Instagram. And so from reading what the type of work she's doing on herself, we realized it was not a coincidence that our worlds collided. We totally feel like this conversation was meant to be had, mm-hmm. and we are so excited. So, uh, Brooke, thank you for joining us all the way from Alaska. Welcome to Ivy Unleashed. Yes, thank you guys so much. I'm so excited. I can't believe that like I actually have you know friends in the Midwest now. I, I've never had those before. So, yeah, thanks so much for having me. And the sun is beaming, so oh. it's, it's light there. I think it's three hours behind us. Yeah, it, we are three hours apart, and the sun stays up now probably until like 10.30 p.m., 11 p.m. Still, like, we're starting to lose a little bit of daylight, but yeah, still super sunny out. Ugh, we need to go to Alaska. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> I got to run a marathon there at some point. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, you guys. You totally do. Yes. Before we go any further, we want to take this time to remind everyone that we are here to share stories, opinions, and information. Ivy Unleashed is not intended to diagnose or provide the treatment of mental or physical health issues. Today, we are going to discuss disordered eating and exercise behaviors. And if you think you could find the content triggering, it may not be the episode for you, and we fully support that decision. Yes. Yeah, this is a topic that we haven't covered yet, and we're just so thankful for you, Brooke, that you're willing to be vulnerable and brave enough to share your story and your experience with us and how you've battled disordered eating as an athlete and in the military. So uh, we know from chatting with you that you don't have the best memory when it comes to your entire life. And so um, take us back to where you first remember dealing or feeling like you had disordered eating patterns? I think the one thing, the things that I really do remember from when I was growing up were always related to either comments about my body or 
my relationships with food. Um, specifically, I remember from when I was really young, you know, like you have baby fat and it's all cute and people will like make comments about it. Like to me, that was, that didn't really sit well with me. And so growing up, people would then as my body developed, I'm super gifted athlete, I have like, just naturally muscular, which is like, awesome. I I appreciate it now. But when I was growing up, I was like, I don't want to look like this. Everyone would always comment about my legs specifically, like they're super muscular, they look great, they really helped me jump high and helped me get a college scholarship. But to me, I was like, I don't want to fit in this size jean. Like, I want to look like that girl over there who's also really good at volleyball. But like, she's in a smaller size jeans, you know, she's in a smaller size spandex, and she looks way better. So to me, it was always like those comments that people were making um, were really triggering and are a lot of the things that I remember from my childhood, which is really sad because when you look back on your childhood, you want it to be happy and like fun loving and just remember these really cool memories. But to me, it's like I remember a lot of these really negative moments that have kind of shaped the rest of my life. Wow, that is sad. I mean, most people when they look back and they think back, you want to have happy memories. So what do you tell yourself when you think back to that girl at that age? Like, do you have compassion for her? Are you sad for her? Like, what is that experience like when you do go back there and think about that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm, I'm all of the above. I'm really sad for her. I just kind of like feel for like those moments because it's like, if you could only know that you were the only one feeling like that, nobody else was thinking those things about you. It was just it was all you. And now that kind of helps me when I'm coaching younger volleyball girls to understand where they're coming from and how they are viewing themselves and to just like encourage them to appreciate their body. There's a lot of movements going around about body positivity, you know, which is awesome. Like I'm, I love that movement, but personally for me, I'm just trying to be more accepting of my body and use it as this vessel to do good in the world to help others that are having these moments or having these thoughts and triggers to kind of just, you know, reframe those thoughts into not, I want to fit into this smaller size clothes to be like, okay, here is my body. I have two working legs, two working arms. I have all of these, you know, things like this. What am I going to use it for to do good in the world? Not how am I going to break myself down? Because if I keep breaking myself down, I'm just internalizing everything and I can't do well in the world. Like I can't put positive energy out into this universe. So that's one thing that I'm really trying to focus on when it comes to coaching younger girls and in therapy, like retrain my brain to go back to that young person and reframe those thoughts. Like I said. Yeah. And the work you're doing is beautiful and that's why we're drawn to you and and appreciate it. And to your point of therapy, going back, retraining your brain. So you've done a lot of work to get to where you are, um, to have that awareness, to be in a space where you can go back to that little girl. So take us back to you're in high school, you're having these thoughts, and then these behaviors kind of started to change and walk us through what that looked like. So in high school, I was always very driven. I'm the oldest of four children. And so that didn't really help my perfectionism. I'd like need to please people very much. But 
I was always very um, driven. Like I knew I was going to play college volleyball. There was like no other option for me. And so in my head, I was always training after school. I had practices two, three times a week. Like my schedule, my schedule was set. And while looking back, I did have a lot of control over that. Like I could have said no at any point, like I don't really want to play volleyball, but to me, I was so set and so driven that I didn't have a choice, if that makes any sense. So the one thing that I did have control over is the food that goes into my body and how much food goes into my body and what goes into my body. So even back in like maybe freshman year, eighth grade, I made the decision like, I'm not going to eat sugar. I'm not going to eat candy. I'm not going to eat desserts. Like I'm not going to do all of these things. And so that was probably one of the first moments I remember really deciding what food was going to be put into my body and that I didn't want to eat sugar because it would gain weight. I wouldn't lose weight fast enough, all of these kind of triggering things. And so that's really one thing that kind of started the disordered eating. And then it progressed into, okay, now I'm training so many times a week. So instead of thinking, how am I going to fuel my body? It's going to be, okay, how am I going to train so much and not fuel my body so that I'm controlling how my body looks on the outside if I'm going to lose weight because I'm exercising so much. So then that was kind of all throughout high school and would go peaks and valleys a little bit. Like sometimes it would be more, sometimes it would be less. And then once I made the decision to enter the Air Force Academy, um, it was kind of just like another little checklist on my life projections, I guess, you know, like high school, it's like, okay, get good grades, get a scholarship for volleyball, and then like, kind of figure out where I'm going to go after there and like, what my career path is going to be. When I chose the Air Force, it's like, okay, you got a college scholarship, your school is getting paid for. And like, I have a job for five years, at least afterwards. So it's like, okay, check, check, check. That's great. Awesome. Now I don't really have to think about anything else. But what happened was when I entered the military, it was kind of like this perfect little Petri dish, uh, where my control issues and my eating behaviors and my like exercise habits all were together. And it was, it just ended up instantly. I went from disordered eating to eating disorder. And I was now not eating anything hardly at all and exercising all of all of the time because I was in basic training for at least three weeks my first year. And so Thankfully, my first year was really great. I had a lot of really awesome people surrounding me. But my second year was when it really kind of like hit its peak. Basic training was now six weeks longer because I went to the prep school um, my first year. But because it was six weeks longer, now I was able to exercise more, which I was really excited about, and not eat so much because they're controlling what you're eating when you're eating because you're in the military they control everything so I within that six weeks I lost a little over like 20 pounds it just like dropped right off of me and they were trying to like force feed me because they are also watching how much you weigh and so that you're not losing too much weight and so they're trying to make you have more calories and I was like refusing food because I didn't want it and I was just in this really, really deep state where I was just like, I finally have the body that I want. Like clothes are finally fitting how I want them to, which is like not fitting at all. They're like loosely falling off of me. It was just this really sad time in my life where 
I had no control, but I felt like I did because I was like refusing this food and I, I was exercising all of the time. And now I had finally reached this body type that I wanted, but I was so, so sick. I lost like my menstrual cycle. I had hardly any body fat and the people around me could see it. Like once I was finally out of basic training and the school year started, my volleyball team saw it, like my coaches saw it. They were all kind of talking to me about it, but not really directly like, hey, we see what you're doing. We know what's going on and we want to help you. It was kind of just not brushed aside, but it wasn't anybody's really top priority. So yeah, that was really like the lowest time of my life. And I went through that whole year hardly sleeping, hardly eating. If I was eating, I would like purge it later because I felt super guilty about it. It was just a really high stressful situation. Um, Like I said, like a little Petri dish where I instantly went from disordered eating to full-blown eating disorder. Wow. And I've I've had a few friends that have had disordered eating or have have been diagnosed as Mm -hmm. having an eating disorder. And they say, um, the experience I've heard has been like, it's like someone else kind of takes over your brain where it's like, cause you try and understand mm-hmm. as an outsider of what that must be like, you know, I'm thinking about you feeling like you have to control it. And you're also having this military experience, you know, you're talking with people, you're learning things, you're, you are juggling so many different things at the same time, but this one thing is kind of overtaking your brain. Mm-hmm. And so what is that like, like that conversation? Is it does it feel like it's yourself saying it or does it feel like it's someone else like taking over? Looking back on it, it feels like it was kind of an argument between two people. Mm-hmm. Myself knowing what was good for me, like, yes, you need to eat. You need these like calories to nourish your body, to like nourish your brain. But this other person coming in and saying, no, <laughs> we want to look this way. We always have wanted to look like this. We We finally reached our goal weight or our like how we want our clothes to fit. And it's just like this battle between the two and another third person just like looking from the outside of your body and being like, I'm so exhausted. I I don't want to feel like this anymore. But also I've worked so hard to achieve this goal body or goal weight. And I can't just give it up now. It's just, just finally like surrendering to your eating disorder and just letting it take over. That has to be so exhausting. Mm, I mean, yeah. it's exhausting to be in basic training for anybody. And then you're doing it with hardly any calories. And then this battle going on in your brain. I just, I yeah. cannot even imagine. Yeah. I think when I finally made the decision to leave, there was just so much going on. And it was finally like that breaking point of, I can't keep doing this anymore. I'm so exhausted. I, my, I just can't keep functioning like this. I, this, I, this is not the path that I want to go down. Just being in the military, they drill into you like you're so much better than everybody else. Like everybody else is just going to a regular college, you know, uh, you're doing the hard thing and you're serving your country and like, which is all great and true. But to me, I perceive that as like, if I leave, I'm nothing. I am just a regular person and I'm not doing anything special. Like I'm not in the military. I'm just going to a regular school. Like that's not hard. Anybody can do that. When in actuality, when I did leave, like going to a regular school is really hard still. (laughs) Like school is just hard in general. So when I did make that decision to leave, 
it was finally the breaking point where I said, I can't keep doing this anymore. I don't like the direction that my life is going. I don't want to do this anymore. But I was so terrified that my parents were going to be like, so disappointed in me. And like, you like you made this commitment, you said that you were going to do this, you know, when in actuality, my parents were like, <laughs> my mom said, I never wanted you to go in the first place. <laughs> and so like coming back and having her say that and I was like, Oh, okay, like, that's, that's fine. Now I can just come home. I can take a break, I can heal and figure out my life and see what I'm going to do from here because I didn't really have a plan B. Like there was no plan B, there was only plan A. So yeah, once I finally made that decision and decided that like, I don't want to live like this anymore, it's been a constant battle for the past like nine years of recovering, not recovering, recovering, not recovering, and like just that roller coaster. I can't imagine. And my brain goes back to your team, right? When you went back to playing volleyball and people noticed these things and, and you mentioned that they brushed it off. I'm wondering what you want, would have wanted them to say. Like what would, what would you have needed in the moment? Because then you went back and got to a really low point and decided to leave. So wondering, you know, for anyone who maybe notices someone who is doing something that is unhealthy and they want to help, but they don't know what to say, what do you wish people would have said to you? I definitely think they would have, I would have liked people to ask me about it. I don't, I don't know if I would have like admitted it. I probably would have at first been like, oh no, like that's, that's not true. You know, like I, I eat and I, I like, I'm, I'm okay. But I think having them actually address me like about it would have put the thought into my brain, like, oh, people are paying attention. They are noticing things. And then that probably would have triggered me, even if they never brought it up again. I probably would have gone to them later and been like, yeah, you're right. I do. Like I have been doing these things and I would have been emotional. I would have started crying, of course, <laughs> but like, I would have, I would have actually known that people were noticing and were willing to talk to me about it because like, if nobody's saying anything, then you think that nobody notices. So actually addressing people about it is a really scary thing. And a lot of times they probably will come back and say like, no, that's not right. You know, that's just your defense mechanism of not wanting to get caught and not wanting people to know because it's your secret. But having people notice and say something can definitely make a difference, at least for me. So I'm super curious about how you start taking control of your mental and physical health when you feel like it's out of control or now it's at this place, you know, you're back home and you are starting to do something about it clearly because you've left the military. How do you even start to take control of something that's this powerful over you? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And I think you can't do it alone. I know if I was to try and do it alone by myself without anybody keeping me accountable, I, I don't think I would have gotten as far as I did. At the moment, it was only my parents. And that was enough because I was living with them. And I knew that they not like, were like watching me 24 seven, but they were there and they were keeping me accountable. And they did the best that they could, which was great, because they just, they just were normal. Like they were my parents that I had before they knew that I had disordered eating and an eating disorder. So asking for help is something that is 
so monumental and it doesn't have to be your parents. Not everybody has a great relationship with their parents, which is fine, but someone that you trust that isn't going to like watch you 24 seven, but that will check up on you gently. And I say gently because you don't want them to be like, did you go to therapy today? Or did you, um, what did you eat and like list everything that you ate? And if you purged or like micromanage you, basically you want someone that's going to keep you accountable that you trust. And it could be a friend. It could be um, a sibling would be a great person because you've known them forever, but having someone that you know is going to keep you accountable and will help you get the resources on the days that you feel like you're trying to heal, but you feel like there's no hope, there's no end in sight, and you're just going to keep feeling like this forever. But yeah, having someone or a community of people that is behind you supporting you and you know wants your best interest at heart is really going to help you heal and will help you stay healed for the long term. Yeah. So this pursuit of healing, what does that look like? (laughs) I know it's a lot of different things, right? Support is huge. You mentioned therapy. Kind of walk us through what that looks like and how it started and what you're still doing to take care of yourself. So I started with just regular um, like talk therapy, which is super helpful. Um, I'm a very talkative person. And I think that just really helped me get out of my own head and having someone know my secret that I, that was only, or my thoughts that I thought were only mine um, was really helpful. Um, and then I ended up moving to Alaska. And so I was like, Oh, <laughs> now I have to kind of start all over with finding a new person, new therapist. And I did kind of like go back to my eating disorder ways, which was something that my parents were nervous about. And thankfully just having talked about it and having it out in the open and not having it a secret anymore was a good enough reason for me to not revert all the way back to like my deepest point. So I did have like little blurbs of when I started coming up into Alaska and retraining for volleyball and doing all of that kind of good stuff where um, I went back to my disordered eating. And then uh, once I was done with volleyball and I had kind of a little bit more time on my hands, I found an acupuncturist because I knew acupuncture had worked for me in the past when I was healing from an injury and I was I was kind of just diving into energy work and trying to get my anxiety and disordered eating and all of those kind of things leveled out. So I went and saw this acupuncturist and it was just kind of like we just clicked off the bat. And so thankfully I was lucky enough to find this one person who I've just seen for the past, I've been up in Alaska for eight years, and he has really helped me kind of just take control of the anxiety that will then um, start my disordered eating if it gets too bad. He's just been kind of introduced me to the world of energy work and meditation and just really slowing down because that's what gets me into trouble is doing too much too fast taking on too much that I can't handle and feeling out of control. Because really, when you're feeling out of control, you revert back to the one thing that you think you can control, which is eating for a lot of people. So that's kind of what I've been doing. A lot of meditation, a lot of slowing down and um, not trying to take on too many tasks at one time, too many projects, just really allowing myself to rest when I think I need it. 
I'm not very good at that, but <laughs> it's definitely something that I'm working on. And just like the other day, you know, the Olympics just came on and on Saturday, um, my spouse and I, all we did was just watch the Olympics all day because we're both athletes and we're like, yeah, sports, <laughs> like finally. And so all we did all day was just watch the Olympics. We walked the dog and that was kind of it. And it was just like, I felt so rejuvenated after that. It was probably the Olympics that really, you know, like inspired me. But yeah, that's kind of what I try and do every day. Another thing that's really helpful is journaling. Not only because talk therapy is super helpful, but journaling, just something about putting pen to paper. Ugh, it's finally out of my head. Like I, I have space for other thoughts now. Yeah, it just like really gets it all out of me. And I'm able to kind of move on to the next thing that I want to focus on. So those are the things that have really helped me. I love that. I, I'm so intrigued with you being a coach too and how, you know, we're self-growth people, right? And we are health coaches. But I think the work that you do for yourself has to translate into your coaching relationships. Do you feel like the work that you're doing on your own self is translated with your team that you're coaching? I think so, because a lot of like, I know what they're going through. I know that being a student athlete is really hard or even not even my collegiate athletes, but ones that are in high school. I know that having a safe space for them is huge. And just knowing that being a teenager is really hard. Going through high school is really hard. Like it's not easy on anybody. Put on top of that, trying to be an athlete and like gain a scholarship, go to college, get, get good grades, all these things. And I think that's a lot of work that I'm trying to do on social media is letting them know that it's okay to have bad days and it's okay to want to put yourself first. You don't have to achieve all of these things all at the same time. Just if you're feeling that you're overwhelmed or that things are not going your way and you are just so stressed out that you're burning the candle at both ends, take a step back and take some time for yourself. Just be okay with not meeting everybody's expectations because it's okay as long as you are meeting your own, you know, and if you aren't meeting your own, but you have really high expectations, like take a step back and maybe ask someone like, hey, do you think these are a little too high of expectations? Like I'm trying to accomplish all of these things but I don't know if I can. And that's okay. Taking time for yourself, being the person you are, and just being okay with that. You don't have to achieve all of these monumental things. That's another thing that social media is good and bad about. It's yes, you're achieving all of like, you're seeing people achieve all of these really great things. But also, they didn't get there in a day. You know, it takes time, it takes really hard work, but there's also room for rest days. There's also room for rest weeks, vacations, like all of these things. Otherwise, you're just going to get burnt out. And that's a, what we see a lot with athletes is getting burnt out because they just can't. They're just doing too much. And that's what's really sad to me because I wish they would just take a little bit more time for themselves. I am so happy for your team. Those <laughs> lucky, lucky <laughs> Kids, oh my gosh, I could have used you in high school so mm -hmm. much. I mean, what you're saying speaks to me now. I was going to say, I need to hear this now. <laughs> no, but it's it's hard, I think, until you've lived and seen how burning the candle at both ends, mm -hmm. what it does to you and how frazzled you get and how you can't show up as your best self. And you can't, like you said, put that positive energy into the world because you're so depleted and mm -hmm. you're so hard on yourself that you're picking yourself apart, that you, there's no way you can give that positive energy out that you know you want to give. Yeah. I think too, 
when it comes to healing in whatever form, the similarities and journeys that I'm seeing, right, are the, the need for support, not doing it alone, also slowing down and taking that step back, meditating, journaling, all these therapeutic devices that no matter what you're struggling with, there are different tools that you can utilize. And so I love that you mentioned all of these great things that involve taking a rest day. You know, we, we feel this need to control and then the anxiety comes and knowing that that's a trigger for you. I'm curious what that work looked like to figure out what your triggers were and how you kind of associated the anxious thoughts with disordered eating and, and kind of controlling how that even came about. Yeah, so I think I've always had just a little bit of anxiety, you know, that's kind of always like knocked at my door. But really, when I started to notice it and notice that it would kind of trigger me to start the controlling behaviors, I would just get like really bad stomach aches. And I would get really nauseous and like physical symptoms of anxiety, or I would get really irritable really quickly it's because like things weren't going my way and what I was trying to control wasn't how it was supposed to play out in my head. And so all of these things, just like being really irritable, having bad stomach aches from the anxiety, just turning my stomach in knots. I was like, what in the heck is going on? Like, this is not supposed to, this is not how people are supposed to live. Like, does everybody live like this? Like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I'm so tired of putting this stress on myself and like on my partner, like, it's just not, it's, I don't want to live like this anymore. And I think it just comes to a point in someone's life when they just finally make that decision of, I don't want to go on like this anymore. And I, I know that there's something better. I know that people have happier lives than this. And like, I want to be one of those, one of those people. But what I did learn with healing is that a lot of people say when I'm in recovery or when I'm healed, I'll be happier. Like I'll feel better. I'll feel like I'll just be uplifted, you know, but what really happens in recovery is you don't, you don't feel happier. You feel content, which is to me so much better. Like I'm happy during certain parts of the day. Things bring me joy. Like I see things happening and that makes me happy or people tell me things, but all the rest of the day, I just feel so content. And that's milestones for me, like just being able to sit with myself and just feel okay with where I am right now. That's the best thing that that's really kind of how I gauge where I how I'm feeling and where I'm at with myself. Like if I can't feel contentment for like a couple weeks, I'm like, okay, I need to kind of reevaluate some things, maybe journal out a bunch of stuff or I don't know, I just need to do something to kind of move this energy and to, to get it out. But just feeling content being healed doesn't mean that you're going to be happy all the time. It means that you're going to feel everything, including happiness. You're not to just going to feel anxious and all these anxiety feelings. You're going to feel happy. You're going to feel sad. You're going to feel embarrassed. You're going to feel all of these other really great emotions that we're supposed to feel as humans, not just happy. So that's one thing that I really have learned and that I didn't expect to happen, but I'm really glad that I kind of came to that realization. I love that. I love everything that you're saying, mm -hmm. specifically though, the moving the energy through you. And it sounds like 
you've gotten to this place where you know, you know, like a couple weeks here, things aren't, I'm not content, things are a little off. How do I get back to that baseline of me where you know you are content and you've learned that about yourself? You've become so aware of what makes you tick, who you are, what gives you that feeling of contentment and this idea of getting the energy out as I'm on my healing journey. It's really something that I'm realizing is working well for me is if I'm feeling a certain way, it's like, okay, this energy, if I'm having anxious thoughts, depress it, if I'm in a depressed mood, it's like, nope, some energy is stuck. How do I get this out? And it's this visualization of getting the bad energy out, getting back to a baseline. And it's not linear. Like what I'm learning is it's very highs and lows, but knowing that to your point, I'm feeling all the things and each day I'm working towards being more me. That's kind of like the greatest thing about healing journeys is you discover so much about yourself that you didn't know. (laughs) It's kind of like good and bad because you're like, "Ah, I wish I would have known all of these things about myself so much longer. Like I could have done so much good in the world instead of focus on my time and energy on not liking myself, not liking this body that I was given. But now you're using this vessel and you are able to put out so much more good in the world because you have this clear picture. Like the world is opened up. It's not just you stuck in your brain and your body worried about what everybody else is thinking of you or worried about what you're wearing for the day or how you look, all of these things. And you're just able to have so many more light bulb moment realizations. And yeah, I just, I'm really happy with how my healing journey has been, especially for the past year. I think it's been, it took a turn and that I'm really thankful for. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. And I, the word that keeps coming to my mind is like acceptance, Mm -hmm. like acceptance that the human experience is really hard and that you're not always supposed to be happy. And like you mentioned before, social media portrays that, you know, you're looking at the highlight reel and so many feelings happen throughout the day where you're down or depressed Mm -hmm. and then you're looking at these people's highlight reels. And so I just want to encourage you to keep sharing what you're sharing because I feel like the journey you're on is so open and open to learning about yourself and open to learning about healing and the world. And I feel like that is what we need more of. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. the way that you write, like in your posts, it's going to help people transform their lives into accepting that we are multifaceted people that have all kinds of different experiences. And just to kind of go there with yourself and know like, yes, I've been through terrible things. My brain has done terrible things to me, but that's not always just the end. Like you can change your story. You can change how you talk to yourself. You can start to accept things about yourself. You thought were ugly and figure out how to make that into a beautiful story like you have. And so I'm just, I can't wait to read more about what you post and I want to hear more from you. Um, But how do you do that? Like, how do you accept those ugly parts of yourself and transform them into what you're becoming and who you're accepting? I think a couple of things that really come to mind for me are people aren't thinking what you think that they're thinking. They are worried about themselves, their world, what's going on in their little, their own little world. And so once you kind of put everybody else's perspective on hold, you can kind of really realize that, okay, I should be focusing on myself too, like not what everybody else is thinking about. And another thing that I always, that's kind of just been 
um, really circulating with me is that you have thoughts. I have thoughts in my brain, but I am not my thoughts. Like just because I think them does not mean that they are true and does not mean that I have to act on them. Those are things that have really kind of pushed me to continue my healing and to turn that corner on redirecting my thoughts on myself and the world around me. Because once I realized that like people aren't thinking about me and turn it more inwards on myself and then realize that I have thoughts, but I'm not my thoughts, that's kind of like monumental. That was monumental for me. And that's the power Mm -hmm. of meditation. Yeah. I was just going to say when I started my meditation journey, that's the one thing that stuck out to me right away was you are not your thoughts. You are merely an observer of your thoughts and you can't control the thoughts that come in your head. But what you can control is the meaning that you give those thoughts to. And you don't have to believe every stupid thought that goes on in your head. It's that meaning that you tie to it. And it's you can choose the thought again. That's what Gabby Bernstein says. She has the choose again method. And it's exactly what you're saying. I don't have to believe it. I'm going to pick a new thought, one that more aligns with how I want to feel. It's hard though, because you're, mm-hmm. you're the, it's so loud right. up there. Right. It's, well, it's, so- a pr- it's called a practice for a yeah. reason. And it's never ending. Like <laughs> I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that, like this growth work, like I'm obsessed with it and I, it's never ending. Like there is no end goal. It's a healing journey for life. And as soon as I heal one part of me, like oh, something else is going to happen. It's just life. And that's why I think you need the day of rest. Self growth work is hard, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And you're living proof of that. I mean, you continue to work on yourself and you're sharing your message with us and with our listeners and with your team. And I'm just excited to hear more from you. And you're clearly doing a lot of work on your mindset. And I'm so curious about that military mindset versus your mindset now and how that kind of plays together or against each other. Yeah, the military mindset was definitely something where it's like, I am perfect. I need to be perfect. I can't make any mistakes. Everything I do needs to like this finished product of me or whatever I'm producing needs to be perfect. And that was obviously very stressful because we are human and (laughs) hardly anything we do is perfect. And so now my new mindset is more like, I need to make mistakes in order to learn and grow. And if I don't make mistakes, I'm just going to be staying in the same, in the same person that I am right now, when in reality, I want to grow, I want to learn. I, I love learning and accepting new things and gaining new perspectives and learning from others, not just myself. Like I need to ask questions. And sometimes if I perceive those questions as silly, like that's okay, but I still want to ask them because otherwise I'm just never learning. I'm just staying in the same static state that I was. And it really takes a lot of the pressure off of needing to be perfect or needing to have all of the answers because I don't have all of the answers. And like, if an athlete asks me a question, whatever it might be, it's okay for me to be like, oh, I actually don't know the answer to that right now, but I really like that question and I want to learn more about it. So I'm going to go do a deep dive on whatever it is that you just asked me about. And like, we'll come back and talk about it at a later time, because that's something that I probably should know for if you're asking that question, somebody else is going to ask it as well. So 
knowing that it's okay for me to say, I don't have all of the answers right now, but I'm going to find out because I want to, is actually really humbling for myself. And it's also shows the athletes or whoever I'm talking to that it's okay not to have the answers like I am not all knowing. So that's really good for them to know because it's good for them to know that we're human. And it's just really good for me to know that I have that option to say like, I I don't know that actually, but that's really been helpful for me to from military mindset versus my new mindset now. You know, something that helps me is thinking, what is perfect? Like we, there is no such thing as expert. Someone is always going to know more than we are. It's impossible to know the answer to every single question. And I'm sure that that's a learning experience for everyone. And also these thoughts that as much work as we're doing, they still creep in. So I'm curious, are these thoughts something that you still battle with to this day? Yeah, absolutely. Every single day. And if not every day, then more often than not. And thankfully, now I've inhibited the practices of the acupuncture, the meditation, the slowing down to really the journaling, especially to really take a step out of my brain and to put it in a place where I don't need to think about it anymore. Usually that's kind of like my journal because just getting it out, like meditating and stuff like, yes, I'm going inside and I'm dealing with these thoughts, but especially journaling really is the physicality of moving it from my brain to a piece of paper. Kind of like I mentioned earlier, get having more space in my head and in my body for other things that require more of my attention that I'm able to give my full attention to because I have gotten those thoughts out of my head, whether it's in the morning or daily or the night before or whenever that is, making those habits a priority for myself. Getting outside especially is just something so huge. Um, thankfully, I have a dog, so I have to walk him every day. And We live in Alaska and it's beautiful. So we get, we get the opportunity to go outside and just drive to the mountains like 10 minutes away and just kind of take ourselves out of our bodies for a second and really realize that we are not our thoughts and we are able to have this bigger, better experience on this earth. Those are things that I really need to prioritize a lot right now because I'm still in this healing journey and it's going to be a forever journey like we've mentioned multiple times. And some days are a lot easier than others, but making it a priority and knowing how much better it makes me feel and how much better of a person I am that day to like my family, to my coworkers, to my little unit world around me is really keeps me going. And yeah, knowing that I'm just not, I'm not my thoughts. Yes. I love that. It's having these practices to fall back on that, you know, and they took time to develop and it's an ever going process. So I love that you shared that. Well, we're so thankful that you joined us from Alaska, first of all. Uh, we appreciate your time, but we're just grateful that you exist and that you <laughs> push through this. I mean, eating disorders take people out. They are ugly and more people than we know deal with this. And it's so important to talk about it. I mean, Brooke mm -hmm. and I 
we face these conversations that people don't want to have. And I just think if we keep this conversation going on the healing journey and the power in it and different ways people heal, I mean, everyone's different. So the more we talk about the little things you did and the little things he or she did, mm-hmm. I think it can you know, exponentially help the world. And so I'm just so thankful that you're vulnerable and brave enough to talk about this today and curious where people can find you so they can follow you too. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having this platform and for asking me to do this because yes, it is super vulnerable, but it's not going to change and society won't change anything like how we think unless we have these these hard conversations. And yes, it is hard. Yes, it is difficult, but it's it's so much worth it. And our lives are going to be so much better for it. But if people do want to follow and hear what goes on in my brain, they can follow me. On, I'm just on Instagram at BK, BK Pottle. So B-K-P-O-T-T-L-E. And that's kind of where I put all of the conversations that happen in my brain and the realizations that I have just out to the world. And you might get to see some cute pictures from Alaska or of my dog in the meantime. <laughs> And as you know, we leave our listeners with three gold stars, so three actionable items that they can take with them. So now it is time for our three gold stars. So my three gold stars are find some time every day to breathe some fresh air, even if it's just going outside, opening your door for five minutes out of the day and just kind of taking in that fresh air. If I can do it in the middle of Alaska winter, anybody can do it. Um, My second one is speak up because you matter to people just like people matter to you. And my third one is you have thoughts. You are not your thoughts. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Now it's time for Unleashing Ivy. Surprise rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Oh, yes. (laughs) When you're really struggling with a negative thought, what is your go-to action? My go-to action is to journal what is happening in my head, get it out of my head. And my second one is to tell someone about it because then somebody else knows. Um, And usually that's my spouse. So just having that other person know and having them be aware of how I'm feeling is really helpful and getting it out of my head onto paper. Yeah. Again, moving that energy. I love that. What's one of the most important boundaries you've set for yourself that's created a healthier relationship with yourself? Knowing that if people make comments about certain food that it, that I'm choosing to eat, that it is not a reflection on myself. That if I'm going hiking or something and someone says like, oh, wow, like that's a lot of snacks. Like that doesn't mean that those calories are going to turn into fat on my body. Like that is me reframing that statement and saying, I need these calories to keep myself nourished for this activity activity that I'm doing. And it's not a reflection on myself. Um, Oftentimes it's a reflection on them. Beautiful. All right. And last question. What's one thing you wish you would have known sooner? Oh, that's a good one. There's a lot of things (laughs) I wish I would have known sooner. Um, I think it is knowing that people aren't thinking what I think they're thinking. Um, it's really everything that I'm, that I, all the conversations I'm having in my head that uh, I think other people are thinking of me 
is not true. It's not reality. And finally realizing that and being able to not think about all of those conversations or whatever is, I think that people are thinking just really kind of helped boost my healing journey just that much more. Oh, I love it. I know. I don't want you to go. <laughs> <laughs> like you, this has just been so helpful. Like as you're talking and I just feel myself get lost in the moment and it's like everything you're saying is what I need to hear and dealing with like two completely different things, but he- healing and it's, uh, I just want you to know how much like of an impact this is making on me right now. So thank you. Well, I'm so glad that you have answers now and that you're able to kind of like take those steps mm-hmm. instead of just being in this limbo mode. Like that's huge. Like once you finally, once I heard that, I, I got so excited for you oh. because just having an answer and knowing that there's like an end in sight or that even if there's not an end in sight, like some people with like autoimmune disorders or whatever, just having that, knowing that there is something that people finally gave you the opportunity to heal and they didn't just dismiss you and your symptoms. Like I was like, oh, finally. Yes, I, uh, I know. Thank you so much. All right. And lastly, we like to leave our listeners with a piece of gold. Would you like to share your gold? So my piece of gold is by Liz Milani, and it is speak up, even if your voice trembles and your body shakes, rise up, set your secret free, be the catalyst for your own healing, be who you were always meant to be. This is Gold Ivy signing off. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold.